welcome to the Heart God Media Podcast. I am your host, Jesse HS, and um, it's been a minute since we'd podcasted, uh, maybe a little more than a month. Um, so uh, keeping with uh, you know our inconsistency, obviously a lot's happened in our uh, ever-changing and ever-interesting world, but I'm here to, I guess, put my content out there to draw your mind away from it if you want to. I mean, that sounds so fucking stupid and pretentious. Like, oh, put my content out there to draw your mind to, to take you away like I'm fucking anybody. But regardless, uh, I like listening to podcasts, especially when you can't really, you know, you can't can't go to you know, spend any of your money really, and you can't really go to the, um, gym or anything like that, so you're kind of, you're left with your content, which, as we always talk, um, the, uh, the, the, uh, guests, the friends that have, uh, helped keep this podcast alive, we are, uh, movie and, uh, music collectors, well, I guess I, I'm more the music collector these days, um, cause I'm still buying CDs like a psychopath. But uh, all everyone who's pretty much appeared on this uh, podcast um, is definitely a huge uh, movie guy, and still, you know, every every one of us that has appeared on here, ET, BT, Sean, uh, serious movie collectors, still still buying uh, Blu-rays um, weekly, honestly. And uh, you know, Lou um, is the same way. I guess more with music. M- Lou is. Uh, more of a music guy as well, who's appeared on uh, every Ramones episode we've done and a few others. Um, but yeah, uh, today I wanted to talk about uh, an artist that matters. I know the last episode we did, we did Albums That Matter. Uh, and not every episode is going to be like this, but I just wanted to do um, this one on Morrissey, because I'm a huge Morrissey fan. A huge Smiths fan. Uh, started out as a Smiths fan and then obviously turned into a Morrissey fan after discovering the Smiths. Um, I dived into his solo catalog at uh, in my early teen years and fell in love with that as well. And I mean, even at some points, I think I think I had listened to more Morrissey solo stuff than I had Smith stuff at a time. And I'm a huge I was a huge Smiths guy growing up, at least you know from the early teens on. So to say, to even think that at one point I think I considered myself more of a Morrissey solo artist fan than a Smiths fan is kind of crazy to say, because at this point, I think at this juncture in my uh, fandom, I think I've leveled out and I like them equally. Um, But regardless, it's just, I don't think I've heard anything from, uh, definitely nothing from the Smiths, and definitely I I don't believe anything from Morrissey's catalog that I've ever disliked, but I thought it was interesting that he decided to still go through this past Friday with his new album, uh, I'm Not a Dog on a Chain, uh, knowing that people weren't going to be out and buying it. And there are a lot of Morrissey loyalists. He has, I would say, a cult following, but it's a global cult following. He has fans all across the uh, globe who travel to his shows. And he's like a global uh, phenomenon, a global icon that he's always kind of just he just has like such a a following that is so diehard. You know, when the guy throws his shirt in there. I mean, let's be honest. When yes, like like if the weekend or Drake 
Or even like Madonna throws like something in the crowd or Britney Spears back in the day. It's funny, Madonna's more relevant than Britney Spears. Um, you know, people would obviously freak it and want it. And same thing with uh, the only p person I think could come close as far as like in the States and maybe in Canada is Justin Bieber as far as the rav ravenousness uh, of like fandom, especially obviously with Justin Bieber, it's more dominated by the female uh, teens. But with Morrissey, you have grown men that are fist-fighting each other because Morrissey threw one of his silk uh, Prada shirts in the crowd. Like, that's how uh, crazy it is. I'm assuming it's Prada. I know he wears Prada. Um, and it's probably not Van Heusen. He's probably got he probably got a little more coin to spend on uh, some nice button-ups other than Van Heusen. I mean, Van Heusen's not cheap by any means, but you could definitely get some deals at uh, Marshalls slash TJ Maxx, regardless. Um, I'm just, a, I've been just such a huge admirer of him, uh, for a long time. You know, someone who st stands, uh, stands true to all of his beliefs, obviously being an animal rights activist, uh, and, uh, st sticking by it and really, you know, putting his money where his mouth is, you know, he's pulled out of, uh, events because they serve me and the, and I know to uh, the vast majority of people listening to this, you are carnivorous. Uh, I am not, and I am happy to say that I, I believe Morrissey was, uh, a, a component in me turning, uh, vegetarian years and years and years ago, uh, 2004, if I rem remember incorrectly, yes, it was, um, so, you know, that's 16 years I've been, I've been, uh, that's half of my life, I'm 32, and I've been vegetarian for 16 years, so half of my life, I you know the first half of this life that I've lived at 32 years old, I ate meat, and it was just the way things were. And I don't judge, I, I, and I definitely, uh, never, I always try not to judge people uh, because of their lifestyle choices, because you know this is for me, but it's also for uh, animals. It's for uh, you know our, our globe, our our country. Uh, now, obviously, I, I could go on. I tried to not get uh, political with my political views on this because I feel like entertainment is definitely too involved with politics now. Um, and I, I think Morrissey's actually, despite being very outspoken about his beliefs, he's always delivered his music, and that's always been at the forefront, uh, but still aligned with his beliefs. Like, he's just such a, an enigma when it comes to being an artist who really does uh believe what says what he believes and believes what he says um but yeah the the smith's um meet his murder record uh and and the title track uh definitely you know opened my eyes a little bit more i was already going to uh hardcore slash you know metalcore shows and there was a lot of uh, activism in my local scene um being probably the biggest in the country, honestly, as far as, like, activism of uh, straight-edge and vegetarian and veganism, um, being that, you know, Earth Crisis, who was the band, um, and still is the band of, you know, the vegan straight-edge movement, uh, it was huge here, and, you know, that was when, you know, you went into shows, and there were PETA 2 um, tables, or just straight-up animal rights tables, handing out pamphlet, pamphlets, information, DVDs, stickers, anything like that. And, uh, I mean, PETA's definitely, like, a sketchy organization, uh, 
now for sure I, there's some polarizing things that they've done that um don't align with I think most animal rights activists or you know people who support the animal animal rights um movement and this is turning way into animal rights stuff but it's very relevant with Morrissey I mean you know the the band he was in before he was a solo artist he wrote a record called Meat is Murder and you know I am someone who is vegetarian has been vegetarian since 2000 you know four and I spent uh five years as a as a vegan in between there um but never ever turned back to meat because I just couldn't it was just something me personally I couldn't support so if you do eat meat don't take per don't take it personal this podcast or anything like that I just felt because I never get political on here I mean it's hard not to talking about Morrissey because he is such a he's a polarizing cat and he has a lot of a lot of beliefs um, that he, you know, align with, you know, him playing shows. He won't play a show if he can smell meat cooking. And I know he's played uh, places recently where he demands that there's vegetarian or vegan options. Um, so it's very, uh, it's very cool in my eyes to see someone who doesn't just say it, but, or just says it in the press. Like he, he backs it up and I, I've always liked that about him. Um, but, you know, the straight edge thing for me definitely came in and um, was definitely influenced by the hardcore and the metalcore scene in the early 2000s um, is what kind of definitely turned me straight edge, um, being influenced by that and realizing that none of that was for me. Again, I cast no aspersions. Um, you do you. I don't have any real straight edge friends left. Um, and... You know, most strategy people can get very annoying and very preachy. I try not to. Uh, you do you. I do me. I'm not strategy for anybody but myself. But the, the, and I remember seeing all the the, the uh, paraphernalia, if you will, the um, the uh, what uh, what some of the uh, people who don't necessarily believe in it call propaganda. Um, it didn't it didn't pull me in right away, um, just because I wasn't exposed to it too. I grew up with a father who. Uh, was, you know, born in Oklahoma, so he was very, uh, you know, he was, he, it was completely foreign to him when I came home and said, I, I don't, I'm not eating meat anymore, and, and he, he figured it was a phase, and it never was, and I think, uh, after a while, he didn't, he didn't really care anymore, I mean, it wasn't tearing him up inside, um, but, because it was, you know, a more meat for him type gimmick, but, uh, but yeah, you know, that was just something that didn't draw me in right away. Um, but once I started, you know, once you see it, uh, just seconds of these videos and things like that, your mind changes. And when you hear a song like Me This Murder, your mind changes. At least mine did. Um, but regardless, Morrissey, here we are. Uh, I need to get that out of the way because I feel like it would have came up. Um, and uh, I just wanted to kind of get that out of the way now as far as like what my beliefs are. And I don't. I don't tell anybody that they have to believe what I believe. I have friends. I don't think I, you know, I, I can't even really think off the top of my head any vegetarian. I, I have acquaint a lot of acquaintances um, that are vegan, vegetarian. Um, but as far as close friends, I mean, my, uh, my girlfriend of five years is a little more than five years is vegetarian. And that's all I really care about. I really don't, it really doesn't affect me uh, having friends that aren't vegetarian obviously i would love for everyone to be but that's just unrealistic unfortunately but 
regardless, here we are, Morrissey. Like I said, I needed to get that out of the way because it was important to get out of the way. And this might be my most polarizing episode. Uh, I hope it is. Uh, maybe it'll stir people up enough to, to listen to it um, and uh, be like, oh, man, that guy sucks. Uh, which I'm fine with because, uh, you know, many people said that to Morrissey a lot. Um, and they still do. But regardless, um, you know, I remember hearing the Smiths. I, I believe it was on, like... I mean, it was definitely hearing how soon is now in several different movies. Like I know, um, I know the wedding singer. How soon is now was in there, and that may have been the first time I heard the Smiths. But I'm, I, I mean, you know, I'm thinking back to being ten years old now. I want to say that 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 might have been the first time, but I, I know that song had popped up in a few different movies as well. Um. And, you know, hearing that and then, you know, it was probably about two years later, I found, um, you know, the, I'm trying to remember if it was, I, I honestly think it was um, The Queen is Dead, like on cassette at a lawn sale. And I just thought the cover looked cool. And, uh, you know, I, it was 2000 or something like that. So I still had not jumped on the CD bandwagon. I didn't jump into CDs until late 2000 early 2001 i remember i traded like five cassettes to a kid that were like sick cassettes it was like uh i can't remember they were awesome cassettes anyway but i traded him for like two or three cds um but regardless i i still had that you know finding that smith's the queen is dead record on cassette and i listened to it and i think like for some reason i think there was an like an issue with the tape and i can only listen to a couple songs because the like uh the uh, the reel was messed up or something, um, so I, I I feel like I didn't listen to the full record again. We're going back, you know, almost there were twenty years. Um, but when I started getting CDs, I remember getting you know several whatever I can get my hands on. So I got like I found like a, a Morrissey uh, Bona Drag, which is a compilation record that he put out uh, as a, like a second like release for his solo works, and I, I fell in love. Like, at that point, you know, that was, like, probably early, you know, not long after I first got my first CD or whatever. And I had, uh, I dove in, like, head first at that point. And, you know, I, I believe I bought, like, a Smith's compilation, like, a Smith's singles compilation, which just had all their singles on it. It was, like, 18 or 19 tracks. Um, and I had that, and I had Bone to Drag, and I lived on those two CDs for the longest time because... Grew up about 15, 20 minutes outside of Syracuse. So, you know, and I had no car because I was like 12, 13, and it was, you know, 14. So it was hard to get out there. And um, and then I believe it was probably two or three years later when I found Meet His Murder, I think either at a media play or Last Unicorn. I think it was Last Unicorn in New Hartford, which is a local uh, record store. No longer exists, unfortunately, but I uh, thought, oh, man, they would price gouge you so bad, though. It was like $22 or something for a CD or $24, so crazy. Especially for what they for what they go for now, too. Like, you can get CDs so cheap, especially, like, brand new on Amazon, a 20-year-old CD for, like, you know, brand new, still wrapped. It probably was reproduced, like, in the mid-2000s, but, like, for, like, $7.99, $8.99, Um but that's probably why that mom and pop store went out of business. They had to jack the prices up a little bit to uh, 
you know, compete with the contenders uh, or with the, uh, you know, the competition across the street at the Sangertown Mall, FYE, and whatever was over there at the time. And then it was back when, yeah, that was back when, um, that was back when uh, Hot Topic actually carried a lot of CDs. I remember getting a lot of CDs in there. And I think I may have actually picked up like a, like a Smith's live CD there. Um... I think rank. Maybe I grabbed rank there at some point in those mid to early to mid two thousands. Um, but regardless, I was all in. Um, and uh, it was it was strange because I remember you know listening to it, and I th- I remember when you the, you are the quarry came out in two thousand four, and that was his big comeback record, Morrissey, because uh, his last record was maladjusted ninety seven, and he comes back after you know three, four like a seven-year hiatus and it was it was pretty significant for him to be back and i remember irish blood english heart uh was the first single and my father liked it and i remember going to media play and uh you know i didn't even buy that one my father bought that one i mean granted i he didn't know. I, I don't think he knew Morrissey's political beliefs because he probably would have, uh, you know, being a, a gentleman that was born in Norman, Oklahoma, and you know, raised in upstate New York, which is probably not far from what Norman, Oklahoma is, uh, the outskirts of upstate New York, anyway. Um, he uh, he didn't know his political beliefs, so maybe he would have uh, not have bought it then. But he did like the Irish Blood English Heart song. Um, so he bought the record and, you know, he bought it and I pretty much robbed it from him and was constantly listening to it cause I already had a uh, bone of drag and another one. Um, and yeah, it was, uh, and I was like, you know, that's, you know, talking 14, 15 or 15, 16 years old. Like I was like, Morrissey was already like up there for me. Like the Ramones were already discovered and were my favorite band for sure. But, um, Morrissey and the Smiths were so, like, constant in my teen years, you know. And this is before the takeoff of social media. So, you know, when you were feeling like a, like a pile of shit or you were just feeling down in the dumps or whatever, you didn't have, you know, at the time, you know, which came soon after MySpace or Friendster or whatever, to post some, like, dramatic, like, uh, bulletin. Isn't that what they called them on MySpace? Bulletins. Um, or statuses as they're called now you know some or a meme that says you know you know don't trust blah 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 just like these yeah you know, i you had music and those are simpler times and you know when i woke up this morning i was listening to morrissey's new record last night because i had dropped friday like i said this stuff he that's how steadfast i i think he is in everything that he does he didn't let the the crisis of the world uh, stop him from releasing a CD, so he put it out. I'm a dog on a chain. It's out now, a brand new record. And this was a record that his new record. It was just something that you know. I thought his last record was going to be in 2009, Years of Refusal, because I that was the first time I saw Morrissey. But regardless, I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, but yeah, they were like you know through my teen years, like you know if I was feeling like shit, I would throw on Morrissey and the Smiths, and I just the music and the lyrics, as far as lyrics go, uh, Morrissey is definitely my number one lyricist of all time. I've connected with his lyrics and loved everything that he talks about because he's so. In in one instance, it sounds so straightforward, yet tongue in cheek, yet very 
complex and allegoric and uh you know a lot of analogies it, it seems um it was just very interesting to hear that at a young age and i feel like it kind of sped me along uh at least my thinking process it definitely did as far as um being someone who is vegetarian and things like that but um just to, my thoughts on the world and uh he was just so I don't know, it sounds so, like, fucking stupid and kind of corny to say, like, that his lyrics were formative for me, but they were in my formative years, and I feel like I, you know, I discovered a little bit more about different things that I otherwise wouldn't have been able to through his lyrics. Um, probably Morrissey and Smith's fans are the only ones that could probably understand what I'm saying with that, but, I mean, they've always been so truthful and honest that, you know, you didn't have to, you know, especially now, like, uh, you know, obviously everyone has a lot of things going through their head right now with this uh, global crisis, um, health crisis. Um, but as opposed to like posting something or posting what my beliefs on this whole thing are, um, I just throw on music, you know, I'm kind of alone at my place right now. Um, I woke up, I was listening to Morrissey a little bit last night, the new record, and I was like, well, eventually I gotta keep pod, I gotta keep podcasting, um, I did a live feed yesterday with a few, few friends, um, on the Instagram page, but I didn't really have the desire to podcast necessarily, um, because, you know, I, I'd like to do it with people, I don't like doing these solo ones as much, because I feel like, you know, people will listen for a few minutes and kind of get written off, so if you're still listening right now, I really appreciate it, um, because it's not always easy to do them by yourself, but if you get a topic, uh, that I am passionate about, um, I know the first one or two episodes I did by myself, and once you get a topic that I think that I'm passionate about, I can run with it, so, uh, and it's, you know, when I woke up this morning, I immediately threw on, I didn't, usually on the weekends, if I'm milling around, getting ready to go to the gym, getting ready to do dishes, pick up, uh, pick up the, uh, the old apartment here, um, I'll usually throw in a podcast, and podcasts have kind of overtaken, for the most part, like, what I listen to on the weekends, um, and I'm always listening to music throughout the week, and, and, and sometimes on the weekends, I'll, I obviously throw records on, but, uh, they aren't my go-to as much as podcasts now, because I listen to so many podcasts, uh, you know, basketball, and wrestling, and music, and movie podcasts, and it's, uh, it's hard to keep up on newer music sometimes, but, um, music's obviously still, like, such an important part of me. And I immediately threw on Morrissey's new record this morning, listened to, listened to it, the entire thing, and then just threw on his discography and was just like, I was going to do like a movie podcast. I was going to, I won't reveal it because that's going to come up here soon, the next uh, week or two. And we're going to have guests on that one. It's going to be really fun. But uh, I just started listening to songs that I love. I just hit shuffle and so many awesome just memorable songs that take me back to you know 2009 you know r randomly uh you know just just chilling on like a 
Thursday or something listening to your Arsenal and then just thinking about it. And that was, it just brings you back to like a certain time and place, just one song kind of. It's, a, I mean, everybody can relate to that. That's a huge music fan. Um, but it was just so important today to wake up and put on music. For some reason, it just feels important to do that, to just do what I've always done, for everyone to do kind of what they've always done, but with obviously limitations, um, given the current state of the the world. But um, it's, you know, Morrissey's music, I feel like it's always kind of, it's been there when people have needed it. And, you know, there's people that have Morrissey tattoos. Like, obviously, there's so many bands that have... Uh, like, I'm, I'm sure someone has a, a goddamn Goldfinger tattoo. But Morrissey's fans always... Especially the South American fans and, and Hispanic fans in generally are so passionate about him. And it's so awesome to see that they are so diehard for him. Um, and I know there's a, a documentary or two um, about you know, the fandom of him. Uh, and a lot of it focuses on, focuses on uh, Latin culture is so invested and has such a deep love for Morrissey. Um, and the name of the documentary is escaping me. I actually uh, only saw part of it, and I, I can't remember um, what, for the life of me, the name of it is. Um, but regardless, um, he's just been someone I think because his passion and his brutally honest lyrics have kind of it stimulates people in a certain way and there's an authenticity to it that really keeps people I don't know sane and especially in times like this but uh just in in general day-to-day life dealing with you know dealing with people you don't want to deal with you know uh, going through some hardships and stuff, I feel like his music's always uh, been there more so than a lot of other. I mean, all music, because uh, I'm such a huge fan of so many different, you know, genres. But uh, his, and it's almost hard to put. You know, like you can call the Smiths new wave or British pop or or whatever. Um, but especially with Morrissey, his, his it's so broad and it's so vast. His style and all the world elements that he incorporates into his music it's it's very hard to put a name on it it's hard to put it into a genre but it's it's i don't know it's so interesting to see the career that he's had and being in his 60s like i was saying earlier i think his 2009 when years of refusal came out that seemed like it was going to be a swan song it seemed like it was going to be the last hurrah and I remember going to see him at the University of Buffalo. I remember getting the ticket on Christmas Day, and I believe my sister Lisa got me the ticket as a gr- Christmas present. And she she must have been like right there because I had like second row seats at this uh, almost like theater slash auditorium at the University of Buffalo, Theater for the Arts at Buffalo, University of Buffalo, which I went and saw uh, Aziz and Zari there last uh, about a year ago. And it's a, it's a cool little venue. It's pretty big, actually. But uh, I had a second row literally, like, right in front of the stage and on, on Boz Borer's side. It was uh, Morrissey's guitarist, a longtime guitarist. And I remember thinking, like, wow, this is probably going to be the first and only time I see Morrissey. And there's a video on YouTube you can find, too. 
and I remember him coming out, and, uh, you know, he says, uh, it's a Thursday night, I'm in Buffalo, and I give myself to you. And he opened with hand and glove, if I remember correctly. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it was hand and glove. And I was just like, my mind literally blew up. It blew and it shattered into like a million pieces. And he played literally like almost to a T a perfect set. And he played like, he played still ill. He played Jack the Ripper. I mean, it was just, oh my God, it was just such a... It was just such an amazing show, and I remember thinking, like, oh, wow, this is going to be the first and last time I see him, and what an amazing experience. Luckily, that wasn't the last time I saw him. I ended up catching him in Albany at the Palace Theater in Albany um, probably two or three years later, and then I caught him one other time, I believe in 2000, about a year later, down in um, Pennsylvania, at the, I can't, it's where they have Warped Tour, I can't think of, Montage Mountain or whatever the hell. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was awesome, and I think the last two times I had bought into, actually, not the last two times, but the last two big U.S. tours that he did, he had to cancel, and obviously he was supposed to play the, I think the Apollo on Saturday, the day after his album release, um, obviously that couldn't happen for for the current circumstances of the world, but, um, and he's still going. I thought that would be his last tour, or he might do a couple more tours, but I thought Years of Refusal was going to be his last album, for sure. And that always, you know, that record holds a special place in my heart. You Are the Quarry is, I think it's my favorite Morrissey record, just because I remember just listening to that record so much it like such a uh, an odd yet important time in my life at you know 16 and 2004 listening to that record incessantly just incessantly and that record's re- really near and dear to me as is you know viva hate your arsenal and the comp bona drag but um all of his records are just so uh interesting and like i said that years of refusal record that came out in 2009 I think I thought that that was going to be his swan song because that seemed like it summed him up uh, with All You Need Is Me as a song and the album title, Years of Refusal. Um, and that's what I think sums him up perfectly. Year after year, he's still here. If he's not touring, he's writing. If he's not writing, he's touring. If he's not recording, he's touring. And he keeps going despite critics despite, you know, fans turning their back on him and things like that. Um, And he's, you know, that's who he is. Like, he refuses to to bow to to anyone and refuses to, you know, not stress his beliefs, not back up his beliefs. And that's what I think, you know, that's where I kind of stand, too, is, uh, you know, you know, I, I feel like even though a lot of my personal beliefs are still the same, I believe I've grown a little bit as far as trying to understand people and things like that. But ultimately, I'm very similar to as far as like the beliefs that were instilled in me at a young age. I never redacted on those beliefs. Like I'm still straight edge. I'm still vegetarian. I still back, uh, you know, uh, the 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 women's movement. 
you know, equal rights, uh, the gay community, things like that, that I found in the, you know, hardcore scene, but also within listening to Morrissey and the Smiths as well as being accepting, but also, you know, being steadfast when it was time to be steadfast, uh, something he's always done and kind of, I don't want to say he like inspired me to do it, but he, you know, the music, the music did, uh, you know, to be who you are 100% of the time and do not compromise your beliefs. And that's something I that pretty much defines me. And I think it defines most people who are huge Morrissey fans. Uh, you know, and, you know, he, like I said, he has a lot of worldly sounds in, in his music. He always has um, definitely 100% in the solo realm. You know, you'll hear sitars and, and all these, like, uh, worldly instruments that are just so beautiful, yet he can seem right to the point while being so, you know, articulate and so abstract, I guess, is the, the word I'm looking for. But And uh, one of the cool things um, about being a Morrissey and a Ramones fan is he put out a record called Morrissey Curates the Ramones, and he kind of, like, curated a compilation of his favorite Ramones tracks for a vinyl vinyl release. That was really cool because before he was, you know, Morrissey, he was Stephen Patrick Morrissey, and he wrote reviews, I believe, for a local music magazine. And he called the Ramones, you know, trash and said that they were just trying to rip off the New York Dolls and all this stuff. And then uh, he came back around and talked about how much he – just didn't like them because they were so good and for someone to kind of be that bold to come out and kind of be like yeah i didn't like them because they were so good type thing and the um there's something is squeezing my skull uh single which i have on cd and um vinyl that he released on uh you know for the promotion of years of refusal actually has him standing on the or leaning on the johnny ramone statue um and I'm glad that I have those, uh, be it uh, both paper stock, um, a CD version, and a vinyl version of that, because that's like just some of the most awesome imagery ever. Morrissey leaning on the Johnny Ramone statue at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery in Hollywood. Um, and that like that made everything because I remember reading those comments early on in my fandom of both um, that Morrissey kind of took shots at the Ramones. I was like, oof. Just gonna pretend I didn't hear that. And then for him to come back around, curate a record literally of them. He hasn't I don't think he's curated any other band. So that kind of says like how cool that is. And I know he's been at the Johnny Ramone birthday bashes at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. And I think he actually performed uh there with I think Billy Joe Armstrong. Maybe he didn't perform there, but he definitely t- took pictures with Eddie Vedder, I think it was, and Billy Joe Armstrong from Green Day with Linda Ramone and um and Steve from uh, the Sex Pistols, and it's uh, it was very cool to Steve Jones. That is, um, it's very cool to see him pay homage and respect and and his love for the Ramones to to be known, especially after saying that in his younger bloke years uh, that the Ram- the Ramones weren't uh, were trash and were ripping off the New York Dolls. For him to come back and kind of like back the Ramones, curate a record. You know, put Johnny him leaning on the Johnny Ramone uh, statue at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery it was just so cool. It was so awesome as a fan of both. And uh, 
you know, as far as, you know, the Smiths go, the Smiths were a band. I don't think that there has ever been a band that people have clamored more for a reunion. Obviously, there was a falling out with uh, with the members, Johnny Marr, Mike Joyce. Um, Mike Joyce, uh, specifically. Uh, Andy Rourke, uh, as well, kind of. They've taken shots in the press at one another. Uh, Andy Rourke and, and Mike Joyce, too. Morrissey and I think at some point Johnny Marr as well but uh, Marr and Morrissey were definitely you know the people who heeded the the project and Johnny or you know Johnny Marr's guitar playing was just so good it's still so good but it was just kind of so unprecedented what he could do and the sounds that he could make and and I think that he he more than anyone influenced a lot of that style that I don't know if you want to call it quote unquote new wave. He definitely had a huge influence on a lot of guitar players that were playing that music or went to go on to play that music. And and honestly, I think a lot of that stuff may even have played a little part in the shoegaze movement as far as like all the effects and the pedal effects that Johnny Marr used early on while playing pop music you know it was very it's very odd and weird and and it was really really awesome really interesting um but i remember they were doing i think vh1 bands reunited and they tried getting morrissey for a comment morrissey wouldn't even like stop and talk to him um which was funny and i remember that vividly because i think it was like it was at the end of like the drama rama episode or something and we're talking about you know the failed trying to talk to people to get them to reunite which is kind of a funny concept actually i would love to see that now but that's um that's something i think is very i i mean it goes par for the course for morrissey especially like you know that was the past i'm not doing that anymore and to never reunite, even though millions and millions and millions of dollars are on the table, they could they could fucking announce that they were going to play Coachella, and they would have so much goddamn. I mean, especially because the idiots, you know, the Fire Festival idiot. Because that's all Coachella is. Coachella is just Fire Fest people that were. Coachella is not a scam. Well, I'm sure it's a scam at some juncture, but they, you know, it's all the rich people that are just going to be there to be there. They aren't real music fans. That's why it was funny a few years ago that Motor- Motorhead played Coachella. I was actually at the the uh, the Rainbow in West Hollywood. Uh, the band I was in at the time was out there, and uh, and I was like, "Oh fuck, we miss Lemmy. Lemmy's not going to be here." I'm a huge Motorhead fan, and um, I was just like, "They must be on tour." And I look it up, and he's fucking playing Coachella. And I was just like, "Oh my god." That's great. He probably got fucking paid out his ass for a bunch of people that have no clue who Motorhead was. I would take that check all day, every day. But, uh, yeah, he never... Morrissey never caved, and they never reunited. And, you know, it, it is what it is. And I think the Smiths are so coveted for those, those you know, those studio records that they put out because they were so good. They never put out a, a record that didn't perform, like, amazingly. And it was just, uh, you know, the Smiths are just, it's its sad. It can be sad music, but it just kind of makes me smile uh, because it's so witty, too. Especially, you know, you know, some girls are bigger than others. It's just so, like, 
you could read the lyrics a million different ways, and it's just if it's if you don't take it tongue in cheek, it's kind of like you can just read them anyway, and it's just that's the that's the glory and the not the power and the glory forever. That's isn't that a religious thing? Uh, <laughs> that's kind of the beauty of uh, lyrics, especially Morrissey's lyrics, is they're so uh, interpretive and they're so fun to to think about what he's actually thinking about writing. And I think he takes great pleasure in making people think about that, um, what it could be. And even like, uh, uh, you know, the, you're the one for me, fatty, uh, on a solar, on your arsenal. It's just like, uh, and the video is very, very funny. I, I implore anyone to take, take a dive into that. But this was kind of just me gushing about my love for Morrissey and the Smiths. Uh, if I had to say, like, I'm not going to get too crazy into it. I could talk about Alan White and Bosbor, his the guys who were, have been in his solo band, um, because I'm huge fans of those guys as well. I could talk about Johnny Marr all day, too, Jesus Christ. Uh, but I just kind of wanted to do, do something fun. Obviously, uh, being a huge fan, I could talk forever about it. But I just wanted to kind of come and talk a little bit about Morrissey, what makes me love him. And love the Smiths. And uh, so if I had to say my favorite Smiths record, it's very hard. It's very hard. It's like choosing your children. And part of me wants to say The Queen is Dead because it's the first one I heard in full. But then a part of me wants to say Meet is Murder because of what that album kind of did for me as an individual. But then I think about that self-titled, that first record. And I think that laid the groundwork for what they were to to do so it's very hard i think i would probably go with the queen is dead but that first record is so 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 good uh you know ring around the fountain oh my god it's miserable lie if you ever deal with any bullshit in a relationship or anything put on fucking miserable lie and it will empower you it's sad it's pissed. Listen to Miserable Lie. And the drumming. Mike Joyce's drumming is just a fucking goddamn... He was a juggernaut. There's people, I feel like, in the new wave community in the 80s that had to turn to electronic drums and had to you know, produce an electronic sound to, to get the speed and the accuracy that Mike Joyce had, on, especially on that first record. Just phenomenal drumming. Can't say enough amazing things about Mike Joyce's drumming. Um, and it's, uh, I think it is, it's gotta be the queen is dead as much as I love every record. I even love strange ways. And I, I think for a while, strange ways here we come was my favorite record. Um, and the long title thing, I mean, you've seen that influence, you know, the quote unquote emo or whatever you want to call it scene, you know, directly influenced, um, you know, people like Fallout Boy having long ass titles. You know, stop me if you think that you've heard this one before. Uh, you know, the, the long, like, hilarious titles and and things like that is just so influential. The sound, the honesty in the lyrics. I know that people like Pete Wentz and Joe Troman of Fallout Boy are like huge Morrissey fans, and even like Philip Anselmo from Pantera, huge Smiths fan, huge Smiths fan. Him and Charlie Benante were singing uh, 
were singing Smith songs in fucking in a in an Instagram video recently, and, and Phil Pinsalmos came out and said what a huge Morrison Smith fan he was. But um, favorite record, Queen is dead. Favorite song. Again, fucking so hard, but I'm going to say Still Ill. Still Ill is definitely, I think, my favorite song, as hard as it is. As far as his solo records, uh, again, so hard. I'll say today, You Are the Quarry. Favorite song, probably the opening of this podcast, which is uh, I Don't Mind If You Forget Me. I love, love, love that song. Um... But it's just, I mean, it's its so hard to to pick one one song from him. It's, I mean, God, there's so many songs, too. He's, he's put out so many, you know, studio records, and it's just, I don't know, First of the Gang to Die, too, uh, which is from You Are the Quarry. It's just, I mean, there's just so many I feel like no matter what I say, I could be like, yeah, that could be and should be the number one song. Um, Hairdresser on Fire is definitely up there, too. That's always been uh, a favorite. Uh, Very, very conscious of his hair, uh, as I am. My hair is nowhere near as good as Morrissey's. I mean, probably now it's almost as good as Morrissey's, now that his has, you know, fallen. But, um... But yeah, um, yeah, I'll say that too. On a on a vain and kind of funny note, uh, Morrissey inspired my me to take care of my hair because his hair always looked fucking awesome. And I was just like, I I may not be the best looking guy, but I'm gonna make sure I got the best hair. And I think I do an alright job doing that, if I may sound so vain. Um, but that's uh, that was the glory of Morrissey as well. Is he could be so self deprecating yet so vain. And I think if there's any way to describe kind of me, it's very, very self-deprecating, yet so vain, um, without sounding uh, too douchey. But what can I say? This was uh, this was cool to do by myself. I feel like I kept a good pace talking, jumping all over the place, just talking about the Smiths and Morrissey, my love for them, and the beliefs that are instilled in me because of him and and his beliefs that, you know, I found a connection to, you know, it wasn't like, you know, that's what I think is as opposed to like, especially with politics and things like that. It's more so you're being brainwashed. It isn't like a true, you feel a connection to what they're saying. You just feel like you need to believe what they're saying. You don't really believe. And I feel like that has never been the case with music for me is I don't feel like I need to believe. It just makes sense and clicks with me. And that's why that's how you truly get people to see, you know, what your beliefs are. Um, but yeah, I tried to, you know, make this as fun as possible. Obviously it's a little harder. I mean, you think it'd be easier to get people to, to do these podcasts. Um, but people are, you know, trying to get through this and, and everything else will be all right. Um, not that I'm trying to like bring solace to anybody who needs it. I mean, it doesn't matter. I'm I'm a nobody. I'm just a guy sitting in an apartment talking about Morrissey and the Smiths, and that's um, that's plenty enough for me and the comfort of my own self. So you can find us on Instagram, on Twitter at Heart Guide Media, uh, Heart Guide Media Podcast. 
is on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, wherever you listen to them. Please, please, please go and get um get your freak on. Uh, download, spread the word. Let us know uh, if you like them. We're actually going to be coming back with a hopefully soon, hopefully soon, a top five vampire movies, followed by another one. And we'll see you next time on the Heart God Media Podcast.